So we're um, continuing our uh, Advent series looking at uh, the beginning of Luke at the moment. Uh, and uh, for the last two weeks, we've had passages that involve angels coming, first of all, to uh, Zechariah and then to Mary. And these angels have said, do not be afraid. Or as the old uh, King James Version has it, fear not, which, as you'll see, is the theme for our title series uh, at this time of Advent. And we've explored together what it means not to be afraid, not to fear, but instead to trust in the Lord. But today we come to a passage which doesn't have an angel in it, unfortunately, and which doesn't even have an encouragement not to be afraid. In fact, exactly the opposite. In her famous song known as the Magnificat, Mary actually says, verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him. So suddenly, it's okay to fear, so long as you fear in the right way. So what is going on here? How are we to know the difference between these two types of fear? Well, over the next few moments, we're going to find out. But before we dive in, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and minds this morning by your Holy Spirit, that we might understand what is a right fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So two explorers were on a jungle safari when suddenly a ferocious lion jumped out in front of them. Keep calm, the first explorer whispered. Remember what we read on that, in that book on wild animals? If you stand perfectly still and look the lion in the eye, he will turn and run. Sure, replied his companion. You've read the book, and I've read the book, but has the lion read the book? Many of us, I suspect, have one or more ferocious lions in our lives. Something that really generates fear in us. Perhaps it's fear of ill health. Fear of this terrible virus, Omicron. Fear of financial hardship or broken relationships. There was a YouGov survey a few years ago which suggested that our biggest fear after death itself is the fear of being alone. So how do we deal with these fears? Just as the explorers in the jungle had their book on wild animals, is there a book, a manual that we can use that can tell us how to deal with fear? Well, of course there is, and it's the Bible. And it tells us that there are two types of fear. And indeed, we glimpsed these two types of fear two weeks ago in the story of Zechariah that Edward brought to us. First, there is the wrong kind of fear, the fear that does not trust in the mercy and the goodness and the compassion of God, the kind of fear we might experience when we're confronted with these ferocious lions in our lives, whatever they might be. Then there is the right kind of fear, which the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. So how can we know the difference 
between these two types of fear? Well, our passage this morning might help us. Now, Mary had every right to be very fearful. A poor, peasant girl living under a brutal occupation, an unexpected pregnancy, even before she was married. The humiliation, the shame, the social stigma. Joseph, her fiancé, was probably being pretty useless, as most men are on these occasions. So what does she do? She rushes from Nazareth to see her older cousin, Elizabeth, living maybe 60 miles away near Jerusalem. The angel, you may remember, had told uh, Mary that Elizabeth was six months pregnant, despite her being, quote, well on in years. Something of a miracle, you might think. So perhaps Mary was rushing from Nazareth to Jerusalem to see if this was true, to see if what the angel had said was true. Or perhaps, given that Joseph was being pretty useless, she just needed support and advice from a woman relative. As soon as Elizabeth sees Mary, the baby in her womb, the future John the Baptist, leaps for joy. And Elizabeth is herself is filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, up till now everything's been whispering, but first we hear a loud voice. In a loud voice, Elizabeth utters three blessings over this younger cousin of hers. Verse 42. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child that you will bear. And then verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, the word blessed has been rather devalued in our present age. Search for hashtag blessed on social media, on Twitter or Instagram, and you will see a picture of people celebrating with their fancy cars or drinking cocktails on some sunny beach. It's a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo with his family the other day. Hashtag blessed. We associate blessing with material comforts or luxuries. But true blessedness simply means God's favor. And Mary, as, we've heard, as we heard from the angel last week, is highly favored by God. Or, as I once clumsily put it in a carol service, highly flavoured. And these words of blessing encourage Mary, perhaps confirming to her the promises that the angel had made back in Nazareth. And so Mary, despite her messy circumstances, she launches into this beautiful song known as the Magnificat, so-called because of the Latin translation of the first verse, in the King James Version. My soul doth magnify the Lord. It's a song which is much loved. It's a song which the Church of England uses in evening prayer or vespers. It's a song immortalized in music by the likes of Bach, Vivaldi, and Monteverdi. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Now, the problem with the word magnify is that we associate it with making something smaller, bigger. We think Sherlock Holmes with magnifying glass, deerstalker and pipe. But we can't magnify God's greatness in that sense because God is already so much greater than we can imagine. 
The word is much better translated as exalt or praise, as we have it here in the NIV. Glorify. Timothy Dudley Smith's great hymn version of this Magnificat, which we'll sing at the end of our service, conveys this sense much better. Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord. You see, Mary's Magnificat is a hymn to the greatness of God. But not in a theoretical way, but on the basis of what God has already done. Interestingly, after Mary's opening lines, God is the subject of every verse in this Magnificat. And the verbs are all in the past tense, asserting what God has done. This is a song not about Mary, but about God and his mighty deeds. And critically, the Magnificat tells us what a right fear looks like. What fear of the Lord really means. How it differs from that wrong fear, which we may experience when we face those ferocious lions in our lives. If we follow Mary's cut-out-and-keep guide to the greatness of God, then we won't go far wrong when it comes to fearing in the right way. First of all, Mary's prayer emphasizes the might of God. Just look at verse 49. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And then verses 51 to 52. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. C.S. Lewis once described the Magnificat as a terrible song. You might think that's a bit harsh, but in fact, he didn't mean that the words were terrible. Far from it. He meant it in the original sense of the Latin word terribilis, awe-inspiring, awesome, almost chilling. And if you are the proud and the rich, or the rulers sitting on their thrones, or the, or the lofty, confident of your own righteousness and your own ability, then God's might is chilling. And it's terrible because God will humble you. He will scatter you and send you away hungry. God's values are not the world's values. Indeed, they are the exact opposite. As we see later in the Gospels, in the Beatitudes of Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Some have seen the Magnificat as a revolutionary song in which everything is reversed, everything is turned on its head. There was a former Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, who called the Magnificat a revolutionary canticle, and in some senses it is. But this revolution is ultimately not political, it's not social, it's spiritual. And it's a revolution which Mary has experienced for herself. She's a humble peasant girl, probably still in her teens, yet she's the recipient of God's amazing blessing. Verse 48. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. The Magnificat is a song of reversal, but only because God is God, he is mighty, he can and does turn things 
on their heads. So fear of the Lord involves our recognizing first that God is mighty. But second, Mary's wonderful song emphasizes the mindfulness of God towards us. Now, you might expect a mighty ruler to be a bit aloof, to be distant from his subjects. The God of Islam, Allah, is a distant, remote deity who reveals his will, yes, but he doesn't reveal himself. The current king of Thailand, a supposed demigod, the subject of much controversy, he seems to be ruling his subjects from the Hilton Hotel in Munich, not a palace in Bangkok. But the mighty God of whom Mary speaks is engaged in his creation. He is mindful of the people whom he created in his own image. Verses 47 and 48. My spirit rejoices in God my saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God is a personal saviour. Not just of Mary, but of each one of us. He calls us by name. He is mindful of us individually, especially when we humble ourselves and submit to him. This contrast between a mighty God and a God who is mindful of his people is most beautifully expressed in the Psalms, especially Psalm 8, which, in fact, Mary might have had in mind when she sang this Magnificat. Psalm 8 and verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. But then Psalm 8 and verse 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. God is majestic. He is mighty, but he is also mindful of us. And that's another reason not to fear in the wrong way. Psalm 27 puts it, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So, the God of Mary's Magnificat is a mighty God, but he's also mindful of his people. But when he looks at his people, what does he see? He sees our sin and our rebellion. And because God is utterly holy, our sin and our rebellion cause our relationship with him to be broken. We deserve judgment and condemnation. But the Magnificat also emphasizes, thirdly and perhaps above all, the mercy of God. Verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And in God's great reversal, we see how this mercy is worked out. The humble are lifted up, verse 52. The hungry are filled with good things, verse 53. God is merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised, verses 54 and 55. And of course, we are the descendants of Abraham by faith. We are recipients of that same mercy. God is mighty beyond our comprehension. He is mindful of us as individuals, made in his image, but also sinful and rebellious. But he is also merciful and gracious to us. These are the reasons 
why the only fear we need truly experience is a right fear of the Lord. And when we put our trust in God, there is no need to fear anything. As it says in Isaiah chapter 44, 41 and verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So my question this morning is this. Can we make Mary's Magnificat our Magnificat? Can we make her very personal song our personal song? Can we join with Mary in saying, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour? There may be times when that is a difficult song for us to sing, when a true fear of the Lord seems beyond our human capabilities, when these ferocious lions in our lives, whatever they might be, seem simply too fearsome. But this Advent season should surely give us hope and strength, because the wonderful thing about Mary's Magnificat is that the characteristics of which she sings so beautifully, the might, the mindfulness of God towards us, the mercy of God. These are perfectly found and expressed. Where? In Jesus. In the tiny baby growing inside Mary's womb. The tiny baby whose birth we will be celebrating in a few days' time. Our mighty God was so mindful of us that he sent his only son, Jesus, into the world on a rescue mission as an act of grace and mercy. This is the good news of Christmas. This is the reason why we don't need to fear. And understanding this is the beginning of a true and humble fear of the Lord. As Mary puts it in her Magnificat, the mighty one, has done great things for us. Holy is his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a mighty God, mindful of us, your people, but also merciful and compassionate. We thank you for sending Jesus to visit us in the world, our Savior and Redeemer. Help us to a right fear of the Lord, in everything we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.